Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining the Superior Power in Black America show. I'd like to say, como esta? Uh, of course, everyone in, of our Spanish brothers know that that means uh, hello. How are you and doing? Hola means hello. Uh, so I definitely want to thank everyone for joining in. Uh, my name is Darrell D. I am your host. And I am here with Ms. Monique, Hello. my co-host. I'm very excited about uh, Ms. Monique as she is continuing her progress towards her new career. Actually, I have my new career now. Thank you. She is in the game, you all. She has uh, acquired a position. We're just going through the preliminary work, and she enters her new career uh, on the 23rd of as this a month as a special ed teacher. Certified. Uh, thank you, Father God, for that. So um, I am in my rightful place as the pilot. Co-pilot. You're not the pilot. You're the co-pilot. I'm a great advocate and asset to this show. No, to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I I I have the insight and the drive <laughs> to drive this show all by myself. No, for the school program. Uh-huh. Therefore, we have a very exciting show tonight, everybody. Actually, I was supposed to be reading that. I am very excited <laughs> about Monique, and I think she has the insight and the the, the knowledge and the spirit Well, let me on. just tell y'all, he doesn't because I came home tonight, and it's 103 degrees outside. I've been outside all day riding in cars with these children that don't have air in their car or do have air in their car and they're trying to get their driver's license. These grown folks that, that have dirty, nasty cars and they're trying to get their driver's license. And it was hot all day. I think I'm about two shades darker. I come in the house and let me tell you, yes, I am on my soapbox, but yes, I come in the house. In the studio, huh? <laughs> I come in his studio or whatever, this whole entire house. And the dog on thermostat says 80 degrees. I wanted to kick his butt. Oh, she cried. No, I did not cry. I screamed. Okay, let's get back to the show. All right. So somebody let him know that it's hot in here. So to all our listeners, we invite everyone to call in and be a part of our hot topics and conversations. You're welcome to call in on the number 347-989-0180. Be our guest. Be our guest. (laughs) (laughs) Be our guest and call 347 989 0180. Press 1. Press 1 as your voice to the conversation. We all have differences of opinion. Here's the place where you can express yours. All that we ask, Monique, is that you stay on topic and be respectful. <clears throat> so our broadcast times are 7 to 8 p.m. Central time and on Thursday nights, uh, every Thursday night, and between 8 and 9 Eastern. So we want you to mark your calendars so that you may become a part of this dynamic broadcast. Tune in and listen. I also need to mention uh, our honorable mention, who is uh, Queen Mother for Real Productions. We, uh, we are indebted to the late Ia Iwofalola. Beautiful name. Uh, she is the founder, and we continue to thank her for allowing us this platform to share with you. The production is now operated by Imani Dawson and Kenneth Jones, our very own and uh, my very good friend. Uh, he also has a show of his own. It's very enlightening. It's called uh, Urban Black America. It talks about all the hot topics. You guys need to tune in. I think his show runs on Tuesday nights. I have to check. Uh, we will uh, hopefully, Ken may be joining us tonight, and he can tell us exactly what time he comes on. So, I'm very excited about the opportunities that we do have together. I show it's a, Tuesday uh, nights. It's Tuesday nights at eight o'clock, and uh, on August sixteenth at seven thirty, I will be hosting, co-hosting live uh, 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 with my radio show and another uh, guy radio show. His is on AM, uh, Deathwood Howard, and. Uh, this is a little something, something just to uh, enlighten, but i just like to say that uh, I want to apologize for last Thursday. Uh, uh, blog Talk was offline, conveniently, on Thursday night. And I was talking to some people that was 
that I would just tell Zaru before we went on the air, we can anticipate this happening again because of the messages that we deliver to our brothers and sisters. They do not like economic, social, cultural, political, revolutionary talk. So on that note, I give it back to Monique and Daryl Freeman. All right. Thank you so much for that, Ken. And, again, his show is on Tuesday night, so you guys definitely uh, tune in. You'll, you'll be able to see Ken on Facebook. He's very diligent about posting our uh, broadcast show hours. So definitely be looking out for those. Uh, you know, I'm very excited about the opportunities that we see in our future. Great things happen when great minds converge. Now, the foundation of this show is based on the book, The Superior Power of Black America, written by Daryl D. Freeman. There are three major points that this book discusses. There are self-help and self-sufficiency. The fact that the black community has the ability to eliminate resources such as food stamps, general assistance, and government handouts. This book also discusses the need for unity, self-love, and pride in our black culture. We must study African history in order to draw from the power within our heritage. Also, gaining knowledge of the importance of what our productivity and spending contributes to the economy. The only way of controlling our wealth is by becoming informed of how we spend and where we spend. Our wealth must benefit us. This book has also developed into a movement called Peace Biba, where black people can join and build wealth in unity. That is one of the most powerful things that we can do uh, for ourselves. This topic today, you guys, are uh, about vote, the voting rights of 1965 uh, and now, 2016. We want to discuss how it was actually written, how weak it was, so we took some excerpts out of the actual writing of the amendment. And uh, my position is that it is very vague, and it, it serves as to challenge the very law by the way it was written for such a time as this. So I want to jump right into the program. Uh, we didn't get a chance to really go through it last week. So the 15th Amendment is the Voting Rights Act of 1965. It simply states, that no enforcement of a deliberate act should stop people from voting based on color or race. Okay? It would not be lawfully promoted by any party. In fact, Section 2 of that article of the act states no voting qualification or prerequisite to voting or standard practice or procedure shall be imposed or applied by any state, understand what we're talking about, the Voting Rights Act, by any state on the count of racial color. So if you don't understand what that means, back in the day, um, when you would go and vote, if you were black or a black woman or a black man, they would give you a quiz. They would do certain little things. To disqualify you. Disqualify you from voting. And no one else got those quizzes. It was strictly disqualification. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Monique. No, go ahead. I'm still looking at this stuff because I had it up last week. So the Voting Rights Act appoints the court and the United States Civil Service Commission to monitor and suspend any act to deny voting to Americans. So there is a law that says you can't now say uh, there are there are so many things there like such as voter fraud. Okay, that was a created uh, uh, crisis that uh, that was created by certain uh, entities to diminish the the, the voting uh, rights for many Americans. So they put up these laws. They put up these requirements that certain people would have to follow, everybody would have to follow, but they knew certain people would have a harder time following those regulations. So what it started as is after the Civil War in 1861 through 1865, the 15th Amendment ratified in 1870 
prohibited states from denying a male citizen the right to vote based on race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Nevertheless, in the ensuing decades, various discriminatory practices were used to prevent African Americans, particularly those in the South, from exercising their right to vote. Okay, so during the Civil Rights Movement of the 1950s and 60s, voting rights activists in the South were subjected to various forms of mistreatment and violence. One event that outraged many Americans occurred on March 7, 1965, when peaceful participants in a voting rights march from Selma to the state capitol in Montgomery were met by Alabama state troopers who attacked them with nightsticks, tear gas, and whips after they refused to turn back. So that's what Selma was all about. It was about the Voting Rights Act. That had already been written but was being opposed by different state uh, impositions. They were giving quizzes and it was infringing on the benefit of voting. So um, in a speech to join to a joint session of con Congress on May 15th, March 15th, I'm sorry, 1965, the president, who was Lyndon B. Johnson, outlined the, the devious ways in which election officials denied African-American citizens the right to vote. Blacks attempting to vote often were told by election officials that they had gotten the date, time, or polling place wrong. That sounds about right. That's happening again. Okay. or that they possess insufficient literacy skills, or that they have filled out an application incorrectly. Does that sound familiar? Like ID? You yeah. don't have the correct Voter ID? ID, and that's what they have here in Texas. Uh -huh. or all over the country. Black whose population suffered a high rate of illiteracy due to centuries of oppression and poverty often would be forced to take literacy tests, which they inevitably failed. Johnson also told Congress that voting officials, primarily in southern states, have been known to force black voters to recite the entire Constitution or explain the most complex provisions of state laws, a task most white voters would have been hard-pressed to accomplish. And didn't know themselves. And in some cases, even blacks with college degrees were turned away from polls. Okay, now let me tell you how all of this developed. So let me continue with this particular part of your article, because I thought that this was very interesting. Uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate uh, are, was appointed to write the Voters' Rights Act. So I found, after reading the act myself, that it was so vague that it created a huge vulnerable vulnerability that it can be challenged almost on any ground the way it was written. And today it's being challenged on voter ID, voter fraud. There is no voter fraud. And so what they had to do now is create a way uh, that they think is going to oppose the vote, you know, bring up opposition to voting rights, and also put people in a position where it's harder to vote. And so that's what this voter ID is all about. It is unfair. And so, but today, they can't say a literacy test. We're too smart for that. So they had to come up with something more creative. Well, because the act banned the use of literacy tests. You know, and, and, it, and it, it said it provided for federal oversight of voter registration. And see, that's what that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get uh, rid of that, you know, the, the federal government overseeing that by saying that they don't want big government involved in, in decision-making mm -hmm. with the states. So that's, that's one of the ways that they could loophole that in. Oh, they got the loophole in it. So because they could challenge it and because they have – we, while President Obama had just got into office, they started creating this. In fact, they created the voter fraud uh, lie back when Al Gore and um, George Bush was actually uh, running. And what happened was Al Gore actually won, and Jeb Bush challenged the IDs of who he thought, who he said was disqualified from voting uh, listen to this, because they were felons. Now, he then went to, and this is why they did the recount. Jeb Bush was the governor of Florida. He then went to take away votes that had already been cast, disqualifying them uh, based on them being felons. Well, he didn't just stop at the felons. Je uh, Jeb Bush uh, disqualified, not even just in Florida, all across the, the uh, America, 5 million votes so that George Bush
could win the presidency by 500 votes. And then they challenged it, and the third challenge, Gore gave up, he conceded, and they didn't have to uh, find out the lies. So that is how George Bush actually stole the presidency. And so this fraud thing was concocted then. Now, their intention, from, in my perspective, was to continue to hold the power by gerrymandering districts that would keep them in power all the way up until now. What they didn't take in consideration is that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama would be nominees. So it says that, and I check this out. Mm-hmm. So they went, they, they went into putting together, CNN went into putting together um, a whole article about who really won that, that race, right? Okay. So the, the players were a group of newspapers, including USA Today, the Miami Herald, and night really newspapers, and they conducted the first major review of the Florida ballot. Mm-hmm. So how it worked was the group hired the accounting firm, BDO Sidemen, yes. <clears throat> to examine more than 60,000 undervotes. Okay? The ballots that did not register. Hold on one second. All right. It says, the ballots that did not register a vote in the presidential race from all 67 Florida counties were those 60,000 undervotes. Now, these were the ballots the Florida Supreme Court ordered to be hand-counted with its December 8, 2000 decision, year 2000 decision. And so the newspapers applied BDO Simon's findings to four vote counting standards. This was published in April 2001. The results show that Bush likely would not have won the statewide recount of undervotes even if the Supreme Court had not intervened to stop the counting. It also reveals that, ironically, the most lenient standard of voter counting advocated by Gore gives Bush his biggest lead. However, USA Today cautioned that the study has limitations. There is variability. And what different observers see on the official undervotes for examination handed them to the accountant for inspection often did not provide exactly the same number of undervotes recorded on election night. They cheated. Okay. So <laughs> they have a different explanation for each one. Mm-hmm. And it gives mixed results. Okay. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's strange because, you know, I know that the electorate, the electoral college is really, you know, what makes the decision and voting however we need to vote. They, that, that make up the decision for who's going to be the actual candidate. Mm-hmm. It, it determines in the primary who's going to be the nominate, nominee. It doesn't determine the actual vote and mm-hmm. who will actually win. So what, what I'm saying is, Daryl, yeah, they cheated. They cheated. So okay. here's, here's but, our point. But what's going to stop them from cheating now? But that's, that's my whole I mean, because I really don't think they're going to cheat now because the cheat would be to cheat themselves. I mean, think about it. Uh, would you want to cheat right now? Because I wouldn't. I would not. If I was a Trump person, you know, if I, if I, if I uh, supported the Republican Party, I wouldn't want to cheat right now because I, I would just go ahead and rally behind Clinton, really, for real. <laughs> well, that's a, that's an opinion, uh, but that's our point. Today we brought to you uh, parts about the Voters' Rights Act. I tried to show you how how vague it was so that they could challenge at any time. And so when the court uh, brought Senate back to the House of Representatives and the Senate, they were full within their rights because it was ill-written and it needed to be rewritten. However, they let the wolf watch the hen house when they did that because it is the wolf that is not going to rewrite this uh, amendment. And this amendment, this, this, voting, this voting session is going to go forward without that. And they were hoping that the bogus ID laws would stop a lot of the voters to come out. My position, we got to vote, y'all. Yeah, we do. Don't let voter ID or anything else that they try to slick past us 
make us sit back well, like me, passive little sheep and say, oh, well, I can't go to vote. I can't get the ID. I don't want to be standing there no less. Well, as, far, as long as they know, try to do anything, okay, do we need to fight it, harder. You, right, but do you know what it takes? Uh, right now, legislation is being challenged. That's why there have been, uh, especially for Texas, well, it struck down in Ohio have, right, in Texas. Right, there have been no more voter IDs issued to anybody. Because one thing is for sure. All they're saying is if you don't have a Texas ID, then all you got to do is come and get, or a driver's license, all you got to do is come in and, and get uh, get get a voter ID card. But in a, to a certain degree, you need to have the same things that you need to have for an identification card or a, uh, a driver's license. So why would I do that when I could just get those two things? And see, I don't, I don't, I'm not opposed to having the correct identification. If you need, if you want to carry your I mean, gun. because I mean, look, I had a guy coming to my office today, right? Yeah, I always got this one, right? But true story, guy came into my office today, Daryl, and he's from Louisiana, and did not have what he needed. Now, guess what he said to me? I lost everything in Hurricane Katrina. Uh, check. When, when did Hurricane Katrina happen? You've been walking around all this time without identification. And see, that that border stupidity. And this is what this is what they this is what people prey on. They prey on the ignorance of folk who don't want to educate. Well, that, that's the purpose of reason one, peace one. Listen to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Oh. There are other people that are already at a certain age that are not gonna be a learnable subject. Mm-hmm. And so but still have the right to vote. And so any roadblock is going to, you know, challenge their ability to even want to go. And so that's what they're counting on. This show, and I want to be plain, this show says don't sit at home on no bench. I got to tell you, and in my opinion, it doesn't matter who you vote for. You can vote for Trump or Hillary. It ain't going to change the African-American scenario. That's true. But yeah. you know what? You voted for Barack Obama, and it really didn't change the African-American scenario. It does. So it doesn't matter who you vote for, but what matters is what you do. What matters is what you, you do. No, it's what you do. It's what you, you do. Go ahead and vote. You know, I mean, people have already said voting doesn't do anything. It does. But what you have to do in your life, what, what what's necessary for you to better yourself and the people around you, you know, that that's what you need to concentrate on. Yes, it is very important to vote. I will not take that because it was a right given to us. To be honest with you, we should have had it from the beginning anyway. But it is not going to uplift but black America. It, it's not going to uplift black America. It has not uplifted black America. And if it ever does one day, we may not see it. I mean, however. In our lifetime. Right. However. If voting uplifts us. However. However. The purpose of teach people. No, no, no. The it's purpose that, of teaching. Wait, wait. We stand. We stand in. It's a vein. Now listen to me. The purpose. It's transitioning, y'all. The purpose of teach people is for those people, whether they vote or not, to understand that we have to be dedicated to building the fastest growing communities across the United States of America that are economically sound. It don't. I mean, it's about the finances because that's what it's going to take. So let's bring it home. Let's bring it home. Voting is cool. It is not going to change our scenario. What Monique is saying to you, to everyone is we have to take control of our own destiny. We can't expect Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, or Donald Trump to change what is rightfully our own choices. Mm-hmm. That's what she's saying. Go ahead, honey. Tell us about these people. Well, where we're headed. Um, first of all, Peace People is is not just financial services. It's nobody. It's not just financial. It's not just financial services. No, it's empowerment. Peace People, which is the superior power in Black America, is a tool of empowerment, guys, and not just financially, but in in in, in, in with regard to education with regard to community building and rebuilding, with regard to social justice, it, 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 it provides all of that. So 
Our ultimate goal is to obtain 10 million members to become fully vested and dedicated to building the fastest-growing financial institution in African-American history. Why is that important, Monique? Why should we build our own economic? I would like for uh, you to tell everybody why we should. Because America understands capitalism. They understand what's going on in this economy. They understand money. And if we're continually giving away $1.1 trillion, we don't deserve no uh, attention. Why would they change anything? Mm -hmm. Why would they change not allowing you to vote? if you're going to continue to give your money away. It's important because that's what they understand, pulling your money out that economy is going to get the attention and the respect of America. Continue, Ms. Monique. I'm sorry for breaking, breaking no, in. No, I mean, that's important. It is important. You know, all of us, you know, the members that we draw in and the executives within T-SPEPA, will become fully engaged in the accelerated improvement and undertaking of our community status. We must open new black businesses and black communities all across this nation and set the precedence of training and hiring black residents who live in these prospective communities. We must invite and appeal to currently established black professionals to operate their businesses out of these communities. And most importantly, we must encourage those that have left our communities to return to them and welcome them, welcome those that are looking for a safe and prosperous community in which to reside to join our communities. Now, listen to this. We live in, in Austin, and I'm looking for an African-American gynecologist. There is only one. There is only one that everybody knows and everybody goes to. So she's overbooked already. And so, so she's overbooked. Overworked. She can't give you a great. Right. She so, can't be so, so what we need here? is African-American gynecologists. We need African-American doctors. We need African-American lawyers. We need African-American teachers because we are underrepresented. Neurosurgeons. Okay. Now, people come here and they start working at Dell, Samsung, Facebook, Google, all these big corporations. But there are public services that we need here. And the thing about it is <clears throat> our African-American specialists don't know about it. And if they did, I'm pretty sure they would run with as many of us that are moving to Austin, to this area, to assist us. Now, it's the same thing for our other communities, like in Chicago. Right now, if somebody told me that they wanted me to open up a business in Chatham, I look at them like they were insane. I would. We got a lot of work to do. Chatham we got. Good it's a good. It's a good. No, no, no. It, you haven't been there. I have. You I need to look it up, guys. Let me tell you. I and I'm, I'm an avid Facebooker, but but I have a lot of friends that live in the city of Chicago. I get a lot of posts and a lot of people telling me what's going on out there, and I will tell you that right now I would not own a bet open up a business in Chatham or Roseland because they got work to do. It's our job in T-SPEBA and other African-American financial institutions to get these communities off the ground. But we especially need to by educating our people and by starting this movement starting to invest in these communities. So, yeah, those are two different ends of the spectrum. The first end being a place that is already prospering, that needs African-American specialists and professionals, and a place that is not prospering really at all, that needs African-American specialists and professionals on each front. We need to be serviced. We have not, and we are not. We take our money not just to the grocery store, not just to the clothing store, but if you look at it, you got a white doctor. You got white, hell, I got a white lawyer in Chicago. Matter of fact, it's, it's no news, and my white lawyer actually got into a little trouble in his past and, and now feels as if he kind of owes the black community. But I'm going to tell you like this, what we need to do as a people 
is pay attention. Those small things that we take for granted. Let's say you're switching jobs and you're in between jobs and you need some health care. And, yeah, you're a veteran and you go ahead and you get on track care, but you need some health care. You need a doctor that's going to hold you over until you get to your next job. That African-American doctor should be there. When I moved here to Austin, I needed blood pressure pills. I went to an urgent care where there was a doctor that was not from Austin. He was Middle Eastern, and this man assisted me, made sure that I got the medicine that I needed until I started working and got great benefits like I do now. So what I'm saying is on both ends of the spectrum, peace people can assist. We will educate you. Of course, we will embrace you and help you to accomplish self-sufficiency and to become self-supporting by embracing and productively utilizing the spending power that we already possess and enjoy. See, we intend to bring our economic emancipation into fruition. Full fruition. Full fruition. And we can do that. See, today is a different day. It's a new day. We have different opportunities within our own communities. Monique just uh, raised the point that we need assistance in medical care and, and education and all of these things in, on both fronts, in a prosperous black communities and in the lower end black communities. We need the same stuff. And so if you understand that we need the same thing, then it, it automatically should tell you that nobody's put, bringing them in to prosperous black neighborhoods or pro, uh, uh, poverty-stricken neighborhoods. So it is up to us. Now, Teach People is the foundation. So let me just tell you a little bit about that. We're, we're, we're seeking, Teach People is seeking sponsors, first of all, to fund the process of finding suitable professionals who will conduct seminars that will enroll members. Remember, so what are they going to be talking about in the seminar? Uh, encouraging people to join people. Encouraging people to put their money into this but when foundation. When they join, what's going to happen? They will they will become members. I, and if you let me read on, then I will okay. I explain all right. that. I, I'm just I want to know what you know what the steps are because I'm curious. I mean, I want to join. And and so I I want to I want to I want to encourage you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, these these the, the sponsors would jumpstart teach people the progress toward our goal in appointing a hundred members to go out throughout the United States and recruit members and shareholders. Now, that's an important important uh, name right there, shareholders. If you are a member of SPIVA, you are automatically a shareholder. Now, if SPIVA stocks go soaring and you are a shareholder on the ground floor, what is your economic status going to do? Well, it's going to soar. It's going to soar. And so that is a foundation for prosperity. It lifts the floor and not just individuals on the So board. what you're saying is we're not giving anybody anything. People, wait, wait, listen. People are investing their money and making money just like individuals that 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 play the play play the stock game. That's right. That that are out there and they're they're into stocks. And and believe it or not, every bank, every financial institution yeah, of course. runs bank of America, by the same yes, principle. That's what we're talking about here. Everything that you're doing with Bank of America or Chase is the same thing you would be doing with this bank, only it's dedicated to rebuilding black neighborhoods specifically. Black neighborhoods first. Okay? So that's that's the important and different part. Now here's here's something. Here's something that everybody should understand. And people, if you don't remember what we're talking about, we're talking about Teach People, which is the acronyms for the superior power in black America. It is our spending power. We are foolishly spending $1.1 trillion as it stands. We are going to be spending $1.3 trillion in the next year. Now, if we're not benefiting from 1.1, how silly will we look not benefiting from 1.3? And you're only 42 million people. Okay, so where does the $1.3 trillion go if it don't go back to the people that's producing it? 
It goes to somebody else's neighborhood. It goes on somebody else's kitchen table. It goes in somebody else's garage. It goes in somebody else's Okay? So that's the important thing. Let us not continue to foolishly give away our prosperity while, while helplessly taking these minimal handouts that the, our so-called government chooses to give us. You know what it takes to become a, a, a aid recipient today? A lot. You gotta give them all your bills. Do you know what it takes to get some food stamps in Texas today? You can't make nothing. You have to the actually first, the first be thing is in poverty. So if you stuck with living on food stamps in Texas, you are truly, truly, truly poor because Texas don't give you nothing. Now. Texas is good for some things because Texas works. They have jobs, you know, uh, you know, average job. The average job is like eleven or twelve dollars an hour. Educated people make a lot more, but for the average, eleven or twelve dollars an hour can support a family of two, a family of three, if both people are working. So, in that way, Texas works, and they don't give away anything. Here, we have an opportunity to create wealth within the black community like they create wealth in the white community, like they create wealth in the Asian community. Are you with me, Monique? Yeah. That's the reason why it's important. Today is the day. Yes, it is. So, so can you read this? Can you tell us what the money looks like if, if, if we were to create this? <laughs> But you always do the money for me. Mm-hmm. The projected generated revenue is five thousand by twenty five dollars. So five thousand members by twenty five dollars a month equals one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a month. One hundred and twenty five thousand dollars per month. Now we're looking for ten million members, but that is the start. If we once we receive get once we gain five thousand members, we can then start uh, requiring the mandatory fees that will be the the engine, the work, the money that will provide the it will provide the money to do the work in certain neighborhoods. We can start working right away. That's the whole point. But if we met our uh, our goal of 10 million members, that would generate 250 million dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Now with that kind of money. Everybody is going to be living good, especially if you are creating jobs in the community. Yes. You know, how would you create a job in a in a uh, uh, a gang infested community? What would you What would be one of the ideas that you would do if you had the, uh, the engine, resources? The resources. One of what would be the one of the first things you would do? One of the first things that I would do is uh, start doing. I, I do some cleanup, so I do. Some, some community, some grassroots community redevelopment, and I'd have those people that are out there on the corner, I'd hire them to help clean up the communities. So once I hire them to help clean up the communities, you know, I'd also educate them at the same time, start programs for them to become educated, give them uh, something that they can use. And then once the communities are, we're, we're, you know, as, as far as gang violence is concerned, um, once we were rid of that, rid of that, because what happens is when you give them something to do, the itemizers are double playground. Uh-huh. So when you give them something to do, then you have less. You distract their mind. Well, you you redirect. You redirect. You That's redirect. a really good word, uh, Monique. Redirect the energy. And so mm-hmm. I, I concur. I think that if the resources were uh, was, were there, mm-hmm. the very first thing to do is to start the economic development by hiring the very people that is known for tearing down the communities, hiring them to help rebuild it. It will give them a sense of ownership. Mm-hmm. And then the same people that is, uh, call themselves protecting each other from other gangs, I would hire them to protect the community and to protect the businesses in the community and pay them. Give them something that they can do legitimately so that they would be deterred from uh, from uh, even jeopardizing that part of their lives. Yeah. 
Here they have an opportunity to make money instead of standing on the corner gangbanging, wielding a gun, mm-hmm. going to jail. You know, and, that, and that's important. We don't want them doing that. Um, so but what about, what about, but see, then you, you know what, some, some are not that willing. You know what, hey, when have we found out, Monique, that conforming, conforming is a trick? I find more conformers out here. But, yeah, it's a bunch of them in Chicago. If you are a gang member, you are a conformer. You have conformed to somebody else's ideology about how you should be living your life dangerously, without purpose, and mm-hmm. destined to either be killed or go to jail. Now, that is a dangerous confirmation. You are conforming to somebody else's ideology about that. Mm-hmm. So we have found, Monique and I, that when we drive up to a light, there is one long line. And one totally <laughs> empty line. I knew you were gonna say that. And and we look at people as we going to the front of the line. We look at people <laughs> and we think, what Welcome. could you be yeah, thinking? What are you thinking? Oh my God! And yes. they look at us, and then they look at us with disgust and think that we're budding in front of the line. No, there is an empty line that you're not even willing to go into. But you know what's funny? It's amazing. It's, 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 it's people conforming in every way. And the funny thing about it, Daryl, is that, like, when I'm at work and, and, and I come in in the morning and all those people are lined up outside. One behind the other. One because they saw somebody else do that. They right. thought this was the right so, thing so to do. So let me tell you, this little dude thought it was, it was the right thing to do to get there at 1230 in the morning. That's crazy. And so you have all these people that are following suit. Mm-hmm. You, why are you getting there at 12, 1230? We're not thinking about you at 12, 1230 in the morning. What time do you open? That's actually trespassing on government property. What time do you open? 7.30. So they're there at 12 in the, in, at night waiting for you guys open at 7. Mm-hmm. That is some serious conforming. I, and, and what would be the purpose of them doing that, Monique? Because they want a drive test. Well, I mean, because do they, they want... not get drive tests in Texas? Would you believe it or not? Believe it or not, because we're the only place that has walk-in. Believe it or not, these people don't get it. What they do is they put themselves in a position where they have to come in at 1.30, 2.30, 3.30 in the morning. Of course, we get in trouble for it because they want drive tests, right? But then you got those people that get here at 5.30, 6.30 at regular time, and they've been standing in line for the longest time as well. And would you believe they don't get drive tests? And because somebody else decided that they were going to get there at one thirty in the morning, now that person has to come back at one thirty or two thirty in the morning to sit in line in order to get a drive test. Because at five thirty or six thirty, they didn't get one. So then those people are right to be standing in line at twelve o'clock. Otherwise, they're not going to get a drive test. That that is, you know, uh, to me, that is such a crazy way to do business. You know, we tell them, you know, that's that you're, you're trespassing on government property. Mm-hmm. There should be a there should be a mechanism when they uh, stand in line that there should be a sign that says, just because you're here at one in the morning, don't mean you're gonna be first. You know, but we you have to register online in order to get in line. Well, we we already know. And then yeah. when the line closes online, then you, there is nobody else that they will take because it's booked. I mean, that is so simple to do. It is such a simple program that it makes the DPS look like a hillbilly. I still work there. Well, it's stupid. <laughs> I still work there. Yeah. No one gets in the drive line until they they sign up online, and then when the online sign up is closed, there is no one else there. They could come in at nine o'clock and get their appointment, and it's just stupid not to do that. But anyways, that's totally off the subject, you guys. So. Uh, I do want everybody to know that uh, the superior power in black America was developed by a book. It started off, oh, I, love I wrote that book this too. book. You know uh, what, he accuses me of not reading it. I, I wrote this book, and, well, it started back in 2010, actually, and I didn't actually finish until 2014. It kept changing. Uh, what inspired the book was uh, the Million Man March of 1995. Well, I need y'all's help because I'm going to tell you, 
Are you changing the subject? Yes. No. Can I just make the no, point? No, no, no. Because, guys, let me tell you, my husband, and he is doing this on purpose. He don't want me to tell y'all. He has an autobiography. It's a, it's a biography about himself, of course, what a biography is. But he will not put that book out. He has been working on it since probably 1995. 98. Well, you had it on paper in 98, but you've been working on it prior to that. But he has this great book. And and you know how you say, I don't want to hear about nobody else's life. He has this journey that you would not believe. If you heard that journey, I think he's even embarrassed by the journey, but he's got this journey. And if you were to be one of the people to read this book, I mean, if Tyler Perry got a hold to it, it would definitely be a movie. But this man's journey is phenomenal, and I'm trying to get him to finish his book. He has not done it. This is it's the uh, fourth one coming out. I got another one. I, we're, we're releasing another book in the next couple of months. It's called uh, Resolution to Gang Violence. After that, there is one. No, the one after violence. that. Is going to be his autobiography because I don't personally think that he should do a book about legs, boobs, and ass. Oh, y'all, listen to this. The title to the net to the third book legs, boobs, and is ass. called Legs, Boobs, and Ass. And the the the, the way that the book is structured is uh, we interview six people, three women and three men, and we get the opinion of all of these people about what how they feel about women about the status. It's very interesting that women have a uh, vision of themselves and men have a totally different vision. It even is more interesting interesting because in different cultures, uh, women have a different vision about themselves and men have a different vision about their women. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it is dimensional, you know, in what I found. And so that's going to be a very interesting book. It is the third release uh, coming out, and then after that, it will be an autobiography. But I want to tell people about the superior power in black America because this book is the foundation of T-Speak. We need people to go onto our website, not our website, but the online bookstore, lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. Purchase the superior power in black America. It has the five-step plan on how to develop and how to create uh, a better life for the African American in America. Uh, What we have to understand is that we are first African, and then we became American. Oh, hey, why don't you tell everybody about your new endeavor? What's up? I uh, we're also going to be doing a book signing pretty soon for uh, in Austin, and my promoter is African. He's, he's straight up from Ghana, and he uh, he's very disappointed in how we interact with each other as Africans uh, and as African Americans because we have two different histories. The African American has a history that is a legitimate history. But the Africans also have a history that is legitimate, but they are totally different, opposite of each other. And respect for each other is hard to come by because of the differences. But yeah. we do have to bridge that. But, you know, we, we do need to bridge that gap. And we let me tell you why. That. I remember going to Africa when I was in the military, mm-hmm. and I remember meeting an African woman. We went to Egypt. And if for many of you that don't know, Egypt is a part of Africa. Absolutely. And... Um, this woman said, you have no respect. You have no respect for your men. You have no respect for who you are. You're Americanized, and we, we don't like you. You have no respect for yourself is what she was saying. And, and so, I agree with that. And, and I agree so, with that. And, yeah. I, mean, I agree with that. Look at our young girls. It's probably even worse now because that was the 90s. I mean, twerking and not, all they do yeah. is, is, is shaking their butt, you know, uh, on the reality. Hey, show. wait a minute. Hold the phone. All right. Make Hold the, the phone. Twerking and shaking your butt 
does come from Africa. That is an African movement. Thank you. So it you can't say definitely. that. But what you're saying is when we disrespect one another and others and cussing on these these shows and the way we treat our men and the way that we front them and, and the way that our men treat us, and how you it, all, it's our men too. It is our men too. How you all made up don't know. makeup that, that makes you think you make you They make, they make, they, those, those African, no, no, African, African women wear makeup. They wear beautiful jewelry. They wear they they wear beautiful oils and fragrances that you could not believe. I, I have not smelled anything that's an oil that's made here stink to me because I've had the opportunity to smell oils made in Africa. I love my black. But what but what I'm saying I is do. they they just said that we just have no respect for yourself. No, your they mate. didn't say that. They yeah. said we just have no respect. And so what what I'm what I'm getting at here is. When we do need to bridge that gap, but in the in the meantime, we're so strong and so opinionated where they are too, but their strength lies in so many different ways versus ours. It's important to understand and realize that we can learn a thing or two from them, and they can learn a thing or three from us. So we all have to come together. My husband brought to my attention this place called Lego in Africa. And Nigeria. And, and, and yes, it's in Nigeria. Yeah. That's what is Africa. And, and and I talked to a guy that is from there that same day. I asked him about it. And he said, it is the most prosperous place in Africa. It's absolutely beautiful. But in order, you, you can't survive there. He said, in order to I get, will. he said, in order to get there and do something there, you have to be in the click. You have to have a God finder. G-O-D, I mean, no, God Fighter, I'm sorry. G-O-D-F-I-G-H-T-E-R, God Fighter. And so he told me that that's a click. You you have to have a click in order to, to be out there making the money and being a part of that. So when he told me about that, I, you know, I, I immediately thought about what we go through here and how we feel disenfranchised. And I'm looking at Legos right now, L-A-G-O-S. Africa, and you guys would absolutely love it. So Google it. It's, Check it out. For me, it, when I first found out about it, uh, it looked like a paradise to me, and I it I, it felt like it was calling my name. It ain't calling your name. Yeah. Well, look, you got to see all the highlights of Lagos. Yeah, it looks just like where we are. <laughs> right, only run by Africans. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful in different places. But you gotta be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So let's let's finish it up, babe. All right. So uh, that's that's one of the things that uh, we wanted to bring to your attention. But to finish off, what we're talking about is uh, the foundation of Teach People is a book. Please go online and, and uh, buy the book. It is called The Superior Power in Black America. It is written by Darrell D. Freeman. Um, it is inspired by the Million Man March of 1995, and so that everyone knows it has developed into this powerful movement, but we need the members to join the movement to make it happen. If we're going to bring our our economic emancipation to fruition, then we need to develop, we need to get started, and we need to get started now. You know what I'm noticing? I'm looking up the God Finder in Lagos, Africa. Mm -hmm. You know what? Just so everyone knows, we want to thank uh, Queen Mother For Real uh, Productions for even allowing us this platform. We thank everyone for thinking about calling in. Even if you didn't call in, we encourage you to call in. Uh, if we didn't have a hot topic uh, tonight uh, based on what is it, what our current events are dictating, which is vote, whatever you do, vote, because the, your voice is needed. However, also know that uh, by voting, it not will not necessarily change the African-American household standard. That relies on the African-American and the African-American community. It does not rely on Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or anyone else that may be a part of 
uh, or that, that, that may be a part of our political uh, system. It is a simple reason why. We are 42%, 42 million people, 13% out of 300 million. And so our voices are not strong enough to really bring about a change. But we can change our own economics by uniting and combining our resources. So go to the website, www.tspeople. Uh, join the website and become a member of the fastest growing organization in America. That's so funny. Guys, I'm actually looking at I'm actually looking at a website called the African Network dot org. And they're doing the same thing that Peace Fever does. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't want to say that because I'm not sure, but they have some of the same ideas on their website. Um Again, ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you go on lifeoflandale.com. Make sure you hit Daryl up on Facebook. Make sure you go to the Superior Power in Black America on Facebook. Look us up on Google Books at the Superior Power in Black America. Also, make sure you tweet with my baby. Tweet with him. It is at Landau Smooth on Twitter. So make sure that you tweet with us, Facebook with us, look us up. Um, we're also on Goodreads. Oh, my God. Could you give us some reviews on Goodreads? Look up our book on Goodreads. It's already rated as a, on Goodreads. It's rated as a five-star Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how we got that rating, but I'm, I'm um, flattered, and, uh, you know, I, I really feel good about that. Obviously, someone thought that it was worth reading, and they read it, and they must have enjoyed it because mm-hmm. they are they they have marked it as a uh, five star book. So definitely get the book. And thank you guys for joining Teach People. Remember, if you wanted to uh, actually talk, you could dial in three four seven nine eight nine zero one eight zero, and um, and when you Dial that number, press 1, and you will be able to speak and burst your opinion. So, again, we thank everyone for coming to the show tonight. And I know that we may be running a little bit long, but uh, we just want to say goodnight to everyone. And, again, call us. Speak to us. Oh, yeah, so what we going to talk about next week, yeah? Next week, hon, we got to come up with a, a – I'm taking – I am actually taking suggestions. Why are we doing an open forum? Kenneth, if you're there, perhaps we can do an open yeah. forum. Yeah, we'll do an open sure. forum. Have another round table. That would be nice. Sure. We'll discuss what the round table would be like. Well, this time we'll do it on there or so. Okay. Is that, is that cool? Sure. <laughs> sure. Kenneth, thank you for being a part of this show, man. What, what, what can you add to... Uh, to uh, the conversation, man. What do you think about voting? Oh, man. Just say everybody to do it. I know we got to vote, but, you know. We got 30 seconds. We got to vote. We got to vote. Love, man. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. We again, I want you to call it. Thank you.